I'm a believer you need the right tools for the right job. So I have here a tool that I'm going to explain in just a minute, but I think that's important, right? So uh, having the right tool for the right job is what I told my daughter yesterday. My, my college-age daughter was, came home from school, which basically means she drove five blocks from college. Um, and so she's trying to make a music box. She's a, she's a musician herself. She sang on Christmas Eve, and she's a musician herself. And and uh, got some art, art, arty ideas in her mind, and she's building a little music box for one of her professors. And I had taught her when she was uh, younger. We built some things together. I taught her how to use a hole saw. So she had uh, taken her, uh, this is actually her, her mother's drill. Uh, I don't use Ryobi products. I use DeWalt or, or Milwaukee, but that's another story of another day. Has to do with the kind of tools that Ed, the tool man Stetzer, would use. Uh, uh, um, so, but she got the hole saw. This is the hole saw. It's a small hole saw. She got the hole saw, and, she, uh, and I taught her to use it. But what, what happened was, and it's still here, uh, when she cut the hole in the side of the box, the, the wood got stuck and remained stuck uh, in the hole saw. All right, let me give you a little bit of a close-up so you can kind of see what it looks like. So this is the hole saw, right? So the hole saw goes into your drill, and then the top up here spins, and then the wood, you know, we've got wood chips or something will come out here or you use this sort of push out the wood. And so this is the situation yesterday, right? So yesterday evening, uh, we all as a family went out and uh, Kristen, we were working on this and so this got stuck. And so I'm, so I'm like, you know, okay, I will fix this for you because I'm the man of the house, right? I, I, I can fix this for you. I am, I am he who uses tools at our house and I'm happy to do that. So I said, so I said let, me, let me fix it so you can see here that we actually uh, had this. So I actually, I took the drill and what I did is I changed the bit and I used this bit right here. And so I took this bit here and I started uh, drilling little, I took the, 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 the whole side out and I started drilling little holes in the wood. I mean, no, those of you know, this is what you would do, right? So you do this, so I drill to loosen it up and, and, uh, and so, but remember how it was, right? This is what it looked like here. So I'm, I got little, you can actually see, I'm drilling holes, I drilling holes in the wood. And my daughter, cause I'm holding the, 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 I'm holding the hole saw, right? So I'm holding it and I'm drilling little holes in it. She's like, Dad, you're gonna, you're gonna drill a hole in this. I'm like, listen, teenage girl, I know how to use tools. You, you, she said, Dad, you're holding it wrong. And uh, by, by, this, uh, by this girl child that I spawned telling me how I ought to use the tools and, until I actually drilled a quarter inch hole into my thumb. And uh, so, so that's the, it kind of goes up to there and it was really, that's why I'm wearing this right now. So it was really, it was really awesome. I know some of you are grossed out right now. Let me, let me show you a little more because I'm a man. Uh, that's me a little while ago because we have to, you know, we, we have to show you that we have injured ourselves. So but what, what's the point here? Well, point number one is I'm an idiot. Uh, so there's that. But let's move beyond that point. There's a bigger point. Using the right tool the wrong way can hurt you. This is really key. Using the right tool the right way can makes, it makes a difference. It can be a good thing. It can accomplish something uh, significant and ultimately something important. But the reality is using the right tool the wrong way can actually hurt you. And money is a tool and when used, aligned with kingdom values, it leads to financial freedom. But when you misuse money and you misunderstand the purpose of money and work, you actually end up hurting yourself. All right, so let's drill in on this. See what I did there? All right, so let's review. Now, remember where we went through. We talked about a few things. We wrote God's road to financial freedom. And the review is we've actually our fourth week in the series, right? So we talked about God's ownership. 
We've talked about debt's dangers, right? And we talked about some of the challenges of getting out of debt. We've actually talked about greed's antidote. And today we're going to talk about money's purpose, right? So what's the purpose of this tool of this thing called money? Well, we actually have a Bible verse that points right to that. Let's see what it says. It says this in Luke chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse 31. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 31, says this. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Now, I have to tell you, you know, normally, since I've been here, we've been working through books of the Bible. So if we had been doing that, you would have been just earlier in Luke, just uh, Luke chapter, earlier in chapter 12 and before, the whole theme was worrying about your possessions, what you'll wear, what you'll eat. And so after that, Luke then writes the words of Jesus, and instead, Jesus says, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So the things he's talking about are actually the things of financial need. Uh, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we get a picture here of something that's, uh, that's going on, is that uh, Jesus is unapologetic laying before us an idea that finances impact ultimately on are related to the condition of our heart. So if that's the case, how should we see this? I mean, we're supposed to trust God with our finances. As a matter of fact, let's look at, let's look at our money. Now, we heard Vivian uh, read just a few minutes ago that the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, these are actually, these are, this is the front and back of a dollar bill. Now, you can see here uh, a few things. For example, one of the things you see, if you fold this just right, you can turn George Washington into a mushroom. Probably some of you have done that at some point in your life. You'll see things like the, uh, the all-seeing eye, the unfinished pyramid, the Latin phrase that says the new world order, but we'll skip those for now but they are on your dollar. Uh, and so, and this great seal of the United States and more. But, but what I want to really zero in on is the phrase right here. It says, in God we trust. In God we trust. Now, what's interesting is this, is that the phrase in God we trust, which is, uh, was added later, was actually controversial when it was added at the time. And it wasn't controversial just from irreligious people. Right, you might think an atheist would be offended by that, but actually, I was no, none other than Theodore Roosevelt did not approve. And on November 11th, 1907, he writes, an art, he writes a letter and says, my own feeling in, in the matter is due to my very firm con conviction that to put, put such a motto on coins or use it in any kindred matter not only does no good but does positive harm, it is in effect irreverence. Now, why did he say such a thing? Because what he said is, is that that's not true. I mean, I want you to think about this for just a moment, right? In God we trust is on our money, right? But having in God we trust on our money is not the same thing as trusting God with our money. I mean, don't miss that. How many people are carrying around money that says in God we trust that this is perhaps the primary in their lives where they don't trust God? And so, so what happened is Theodore Roosevelt says that's, that's irreverence in there, right? Matter of fact, uh, as we kind of lean in on this, we, we actually know before in this text the, the lead in to this Luke 12 passage is actually the issue of worry. Don't, don't worry about your life, Jesus says. And it's a basic misunderstanding about the purpose of work and the purpose of money uh, if we're driven by worry. But instead, we look to God and we believe him for provision and his path. So that's the path we've walked thus far. So how do we really get to in God we trust 
with our finances. Now, our sermon text is not what's written on the dollar bill. Our sermon text is Luke chapter 12, but for many people, the closest thing they come, the closest they come to trusting God with their money is actually seeing it on their money. And I want to talk today about how we can change that, because it's not about money, it's about your heart. But when your heart is rightly aligned with the purpose of money and work, your money will be impacted. Now, why? Because God has called us as Christians to see things differently and to see and have our values aligned with God's purpose for money and work and, and have a, see them for their proper purpose. And it begins with God's kingdom. You see, money is a tool. When you use a tool wrong, people get hurt. When you use a tool correctly, it's accomplishing its intended purpose. Money is a tool. When used in line with kingdom values, it leads to financial freedom. So let's look at a few things that I think will help us with that, right? Right from the text, we'll walk through it together. Number one is seek the kingdom. Number one is seek the kingdom. Now, right here in Luke chapter 12, Luke begins and he explains. He says, indeed, seek the kingdom, right? Instead, seek the kingdom. Remember before it says, don't worry about your life. We don't have time to go back through all of that. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. All the stuff you're worried about, clothes and, and food and money and whatever, instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Now, this is a specific teaching to a specific group of people with application to all people who are followers of Jesus. So because, don't miss this, right, we started this series talking about God's ownership. And now we're reminded, instead, seek his kingdom. So it's not about your stuff, it's about your Savior and his kingdom. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. But when you seek money, and that's your focus and your goal, as Vivian read a few moments ago, the love of money becomes is this root of all sorts of evil. Now, in other places, Jesus actually says, like in Matthew, he says, seek first the kingdom. So we see this recurring theme. That means that God is the first priority in all things. And in this context, uh, it's, it's our finances. This, this passage is in the context of worry and concern about your stuff and your situation. And what Jesus points us to is him and his kingdom. So it's a reminder that God is king. Ultimately, he has rules and reigns over the whole world. He actually is like a king. He is a king, but he's also like a king because a king owns everything, yet lets us use things for his glory and for our joy. Right? So the goal is not that we, uh, we, we the, the goal is not that we would see, uh, seek ownership over anything, but instead, the king already owns it. We would seek first his kingdom and recognize that we're going to be dependent on the king who owns all things. And that's a, that's a much bigger deal. You see, you might have expected when we announced a stewardship series that it's, I was going to get up and say, you know, God, ends like, God owns like 10% of your stuff. I have thought that's what I was going to say, but maybe you're a little surprised. I'm saying actually God owns every bit of your stuff. So that's why Jesus could say, sell your possessions. That's why Jesus could say, sell everything you have, right? And he can indeed do that very thing. Because when God owns you, he can call you to do what he wants you to do, and you respond to he, what he calls you to do. We just saw Melissa King go off to minister to Albanians in the Balkans. Why? Because her parents had said, you know, she belongs to the Lord, and they have said, we're, we're going to encourage her on this path. And then she has said, you know what, I could pursue a lot of things, but I'm going to go to the Balkans, and I'm going to minister Albanians who, who 
by the way, were the most irreligious people in all of Europe, and I'm going to go there and minister there. Why? Because she knows that God owns all of her, and He has called her to do something. You need to know that God owns all of you, and you need to do what God calls you to do. We put our yes on the table, let God put it on the map. Now, why does that matter? Well, because when we start with seeking the kingdom, kingdom dependence changes our entire perspective on money. Kingdom values, because money is a tool, right? And when used in line with kingdom values, it leads to financial freedom. When a tool is used badly, people get hurt. And I got to tell you, um, maybe you wonder, you know, Ed, were you excited about doing a four-week stewardship series? I really was, because I've seen a lot of people hurt by using this tool badly. And you don't want to get hurt by using a tool badly. I mean, how dumb would that be? I mean, that'd be pretty dumb. A teenage girl should say something to her middle-aged father about not doing that. But I've actually worked with tools, and so I, I knew better. And I'm, you know, I've got to show her because I'm, you know, I'm her father, and I got better tools. And, and see, what happens is sometimes we forget just how easy it is to misuse tools. Well, finances are that way, and kingdom to, kingdom values change your entire perspective. And let's take a look at things, a few things, right? Kingdom, it changes the kingdom focus um, of why we work. Let's take a look at why we work, right? We look at here, and you take these notes down. Why we work. Seek the kingdom, why we work. Colossians speaks to that quite specifically. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So when you're doing work, don't miss this, when you are doing work, you're doing it as unto the Lord. Now, that's really, really key. So that's what we've had road signs throughout. Today's road sign is actually men working. This is important. You may notice it doesn't say women working because only men need constant affirmation about their efforts. <laughs> Should say people working, but, but you know, we, we need that. We need that. I need my wife to say, you're working hard, and, and though she's probably working harder, but, but, uh, but men, we're less secure. We're just getting out there. We're less secure, and, and because of that, just being honest, uh, we, we have to kind of say people, we're, we're working hard. Now, uh, I'm going to show you where I work in uh, just a second. I used to work, before a year and a half ago, we moved here. Uh, matter of fact, let me show you where I work. This is actually the, the Lifeway building right here. Right, I had a nice office in it. Let's see if you can see it. Maybe you can. I had a nice office in it. My office uh, smelled of rich mahogany and had many leather-bound books. And this is it right here. So I, I would office over here. I was vice president. What a great job it was. This is the picture of it in January. And I, I miss it sometimes. I think, wow, look at, look at, I mean, isn't that a great office? And, and, and then, then but something just recently changed, like six weeks ago, actually. This is what happened to my, my office. Um, watch for a second. Oh, oops, so there goes my office. <laughs> they decided once I left, there was no point in continuing to work there. <laughs> That's just actually just happened like, like a few weeks ago. And so, uh, and there was, obviously, it was a planned demolition and all that sort of stuff. And, and someone asked me, what's it like to see where you work be blown up? I mean, what's it like to see that? And I want you to know this. This is so key, right? I mean, a part of me, like, I walk those hallways. That was really kind of a, an important part. Last decade of my life, I worked there before I moved here, but I was not working in that place for the building. I was not working in that place for my boss. I was actually working for the Lord. And I can work from the Lord there, or I can work from the Lord somewhere else, but when your identity gets so tied up in your work, and you're not working as unto the Lord, but unto men, you're using the tool for the wrong reason, and people get hurt. Now, why do we work hard? We work hard because um, it's as unto the Lord, right? And that, that matters. So maybe your office is gone, or maybe yesterday, did you notice the Dow went down yesterday? It was a big crash yesterday. 
Uh, 666 points. I'm not saying that means anything. I'm just saying it went down. I mean, some of you, it's like, well, whatever. But, but I mean, there's a sense that when you put your, your values in things other than the kingdom, and you don't work as unto the Lord, and you use your money as unto the Lord, you see, the building wasn't the point, right? So the, 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 the Dow, the Dow or, or your finances are not always the point. But, but I, I want all of us in our work, which relates to our income, I want all of us to be the best at what we do for the value of the kingdom of God. If you're, a best, if you're an artist, I want you to be the best artist for the kingdom of God. If you're a bricklayer, I want you to be the best bricklayer for the kingdom of God. I want you to be the best musician for the kingdom of God. I want you to drive truck in the best way possible for the kingdom of God. The work itself is unto the Lord. And yes, you can use your work as a platform to share the gospel, but the work itself is of value, and so you work unto the Lord. So money and work are tools, but, and when used in line with kingdom values, they lead to financial freedom, but if not, they get hurt. And I got to tell you, a lot, of pe- a lot of families have been hurt because work became God, and God became number two. A lot of families have been hurt because money became God, and family became number two. So kingdom dependence shows us also, letter B, how to use money, right? How to use money. So we we look at seek the kingdom, right? Kingdom dependence tells us why we work, how we use money, and we find this actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31. It says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So this is even how, I mean, you're you're gonna acquire things, how you use money, you're gonna eat, you're gonna drink. Everything you do, do for the glory of God. Of God. Now, now, again, this doesn't mean that God doesn't bless some with, uh, with nice things. Maybe some, some are blessed with nice things and some are blessed with different kinds of things. You got a nice car? car? Thank God for it. Enjoy it for the glory of God. But don't make it into a heart obsession and a heart focus, you see, because money is a tool. And when used in line with kingdom values, it leads to financial freedom. And if you have a lot, praise God. It gives you the opportunity to enjoy that, but also to bless others. If you have a little, it gives you the opportunity to be content in the midst of that, but also find ways to give and to bless others. As a matter of fact, kingdom dependence changes how we, we, li- how we give. Let's look at that one, how we give. Right, so we've looked at here why we work, how we use money, how we give. Proverbs speaks to this, and I think it's helpful for us to get a picture. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm not, I'm not rich, I'm not wealthy. We actually addressed that last time. You are the rich. Uh, if we live in the Western world, almost all of us here in, who, are, who are living here in the U.S. at this time or have gotten here from some other place because you had the means to do that are rich by the standards of this time. When the writer of Proverbs says this, if he saw how you lived, he would say, I'm talking about you. So how the Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with, with wine. Now, now, some of you are like, are we allowed to have vats bursting with wine? Oh, we'll get to that later. Um, but the point here is this, is there is a connection here, right? When you honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits, and we see historically throughout the Old Testament and a practice that my family does and many do here, is we give the first 10% to the Lord. We give the tithe to the Lord. In doing so, uh, before anything else, before any other check gets written, by doing that, we honor the Lord. Now, I want you not to miss this, right? Because I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. As a matter of fact, I think that's a false gospel. I think anytime you put something before gospel, it undermines gospel. So when you start talking about the prosperity gospel and people going around saying if you send in money, it's almost always to them. Like God is like some cosmic slot machine that you always win. You put in 100, you get 10,000. That's a false gospel. And I don't want you to miss that. Amen. But when I look to the Scriptures, 
I do see a connection with honoring the Lord with my wealth and his provision for me. Now, this is really key. I don't want you to miss that, right? The focus of this verse here in Luke is to pursue the kingdom of God rather than worrying about material things. It means submitting to the rule of God in this case. Aligning your finances with kingdom values is what we're talking about. Kingdom provision, kingdom dependence, and more. But we got to trust, which leads to our next point about trusting the Father. Let's take a look at number three. A trust, number two, excuse me, trust God's provision. Now we got to trust God's provision. Back to Luke. So Luke chapter 12 goes on and says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now I want you not to miss this, right? Immediately after telling them, don't worry about your possessions, what you have, what you wear, what you eat, he then reminds them, Jesus says, fear not. Now, little flock is just a reference to us, right? So, so we may be a big church, but we're part of the little flock. So fear not, Christians at Moody Church, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You say, wait a second. He told us not to worry about clothes and food, and then he told us he was going to give the kingdom. Well, that's not the only passage about this. We find where he does promise to provide for us in accordance which is with his riches and glory. But why, why do people fear? I mean, why does he say fear not? Here's why. I, actually, I get for some of you, I'm asking you to let go of all of your stuff, and that's a scary thing, and I get it. But the promise is that God delights to give you the kingdom, right? It starts with encouragement to seek the kingdom, and that's past tense, the kingdom has come, but then it says that he'll provide us the kingdom. He promised to provide for our needs, and but God knows this is a scary message, so he tells you not to be afraid. He identifies you as part of the flock for whom he will provide. Now, I want you not to miss this, right? There's a connection between our faithfulness of letting go, of letting loose of what we have. Giving relates to that, but it's really an idea of surrender to the kingdom of Jesus, and that in doing so, there is a connection to, to how God works in our life, giving us the kingdom, blessing us, and other things. But here's the thing. He promises us the kingdom, and he addresses the fear. I want you to know, these last four weeks, I get that some of you have been afraid of what we were saying. As Pastor Bill and I walked through this, I mean, like, I, man, I, I don't know. I'm afraid. If I, were to, if I were to do some of the things that I know Christians have done, things like tithing or things like giving sacrificially or supporting missions, and, and, and many of you have been afraid. And what I want to say to you is, is fear not. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that's not the only thing he says. He also says... In probably the most famous psalm, Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Don't miss this, right? He says in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not lack. He will provide. So I'm unapologetic in looking to the Scriptures and seeing a connection with those things. So what then are we supposed to do? Because money's a tool, right? And when used and aligned with kingdom values, it leads to financial freedom. But how many people do you know whose lives have been wrecked by money? I mean, I Googled earlier today, uh, and I looked at just this morning, I, I looked up lottery winners. Can I tell you, man, there's a lot of really sad lottery winners. You're like, hey, let me try. And you know, you sort of, and if you do, I don't approve, but, but if you do, I, the devil's had that money long enough. I expect you to give some here to Moody Church. Um, but you know, Shane Missler won, he's in uh, Port Ritchie, Florida, in just a, few, a, month, a couple months ago, he won a $450 million um, jackpot. 
Uh, what's interesting, I, I looked on his Twitter page to see if he followed me so we could chat. Um, I do raise funds for the Billy Graham Center, but uh, um, so I just looked at his Twitter page and within an hour of being announced, his Twitter feed was just filled with people saying, call me, call me, call me, call me. What's interesting, the third tweet before he won was actually a tweet about intelligent design and uh, something that Christians are engaged and involved with. So I imagine they were in touch pretty quick as well. But here's the thing I don't want you to miss, right? The fear kills so many. And you can be trapped in debt, as Pastor Bill talked about. Can I also tell you, you can be trapped in abundance because you can't let go and trust God. Now, why does that matter for us? Well, again, because we go, let's look at what, uh, what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. Uh, he says, surrender your possessions, number three in our outline. But in Luke chapter 12, it says this, beginning at verse 33. It says, sell your possessions, uh, give to the needy, provide, your, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. This is number three in your outline, surrender your possessions, right? So it talks about selling your possessions, giving to the needy, key issue that I've already mentioned several times, but we clearly see a theme of that throughout. There's no qualifications there. Giving to the poor is a, is a good and appropriate thing. Uh, a money bag, we think of money bags as like a phrase that means you're walking around, you're really rich, but money bags, just like a purse, something you to carry your money in. So, so, so again, uh, money bags is a, a word for something you carry your possessions in. And what Jesus says is sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that don't grow old. So what does he mean? treasure in the heavens. See, your money bags grow old otherwise. So Jesus actually tells them to sell your possessions and give to the needy. Now, in Luke 18, he has a different conversation with somebody, and, and he says to them, uh, let's look at it. It's Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 18. It says this. It says, and he, and a ruler asked him, that's Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know, I want you to not miss this, you know the commandments. But, and, let, and let's look at what he says. You know the commandments. Then he says, right, he says, do not commit adultery. Now, if you know the commandments, let's look. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. If you know the commandments, you know something. Jesus forgot some of them. Did you notice that? So he focuses on these things, and then the rich young ruler says, all these things I have kept from my youth. But Jesus left out some on purpose. And the ones he left out were about putting God first, having no other gods before me. And he left those out. And so, because Jesus knew the man's heart, he said, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and your treasure in heaven, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Now, now I don't want you to miss this, right? So Jesus said, sell everything. You say, Ed, are you telling us we have to give everything away? No, I am telling you you have to give everything up. And for some, God will call you to give everything away. But here's the thing. I mean, for that rich young ruler... And God we trust might have been on his money, but it wasn't in his heart. So is Jesus telling you to let it go? Yes. Let it go. Sorry, really bad rendition there. <laughs> let it go. I want you not to miss this, though, because we want to be financially free. Don't miss this. If you are not willing to let it go, your money has a stranglehold on your heart. And in Luke 14, Jesus says that no one can be his disciple who does not renounce all that he has. I'm asking you today, literally, to renounce all that you have. 
Why does that matter? Well, I think we got ahead of the pictures there. Sorry, I saw those. Remember Jacqueline? This is Jacqueline when she was five years of age. I think, remember from the first Cheez-It picture we had? Take a look at that one here. Is that, is that going to be up here? This is her. Remember that picture that started this conversation? That's my girl 10 years ago. Right? She, she didn't know that I could provide more Cheez-It. She was holding on to these things like they was for dear life. I am not letting anybody. You know what? She's grown up. This is actually her today. Take a look. Now she knows we can make more. Because she knows her father can provide. Matter of fact, she thinks I'm a, I'm a good, good father. Sometimes I make the kids get together and sing, you're a good, good father. I just make them. But I can provide it all. But at the same time, she knows I own it all. And so Jesus, knowing that God owns it all, he, in Luke 18, he tells the rich young ruler to sell it all because that's where his heart was. But in Zacche to Zacchaeus in Luke 19, he tells him to give half. Barnabas in Acts 4 sold a field and gave it. So there's not one thing that we give, but there is one thing we all give up. That's ownership of our possessions. And that changes everything. Maybe you're afraid of how you might get to that moment. I want to tell you the answer is to trust God through it. <laughs> we were, Jacqueline and I were talking last night about the Cheez-Its, and that's why we took that picture in the kitchen. Um, and we were remembering back, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. Now that my daughter's 15, she has a boy who wants to give her something on Valentine's Day. I'm like, that is so wrong. Because <laughs> I remember when she was five, I got together and I said, girls, this is, we were sitting in our living room. I said, girls, it's Valentine's Day. What fun things should we do, right? I would just love my daughter. What fun things should we do? And Jacqueline, five years old, she says, we should crawl through the crawl space in the house. <laughs> and I was about to say, that's the worst idea ever. And Kristen says, that would be cool. And Caitlin's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I told you a little bit about it. Let me tell you a little bit more. So we actually crawled uh, under the house. Happy Valentine's Day. Donna decided to stay upstairs and be sort of the spotter. And... Uh, we went under the house, and they were so thrilled. And it was dark because it was winter time, and the little louvers were closed for the winter. And, and so we walked. We, we crawled. It was three feet, so we crawled underneath it. And I said, these are the pipes. And like, oh, wow. And this, these yellow things are wires. Wow. And they said, what about this pink stuff that's all in our hair? I said, that's ah, insulation. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but they're really fascinated with big, wide, white pipes. Right? There's big, wide, white pipes in there. They're, what are the big, wide, white pipes? Like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, no, really, we want to know. I said, what goes through there, they asked. And I said, poop. Uh, and they're like, no way. Can mom flush? And so, okay, so mom's up there flushing. And they're like, I can feel it. I can feel it. I said, it's just flush water. It's just flush water. So by then, we were sort of like under. We couldn't see the entrance anymore, but we had flashlights. We had these four flashlights. We all dressed up for this. It's so fun. And then we get there, and we're underneath. We've kind of gone around. The, and so we can't see the exit anymore, but it's no big deal. So I said, hey, girls, do you want to turn off our flashlights and see how dark it is? And they're like, yeah. So they all turned off their flashlight. And I did that thing you do when you try to look spooky. You know, I put it under my chin. And, and then I turned mine off, and I, and I said, it's pretty dark. And they thought it was so cool because they were all right there. I could feel them. We were all holding on to each other. And they said, it's so cool. And then, and then, and then what happened next was, um, was we turned back on the flashlights, and I said, how do we get out of here? And I was trying to be funny. It didn't go well. Uh, <laughs> so Jacqueline, right? And I was just talking about her last night, and she's, oh, I remember this. She literally says, what? We're lost! I mean, she literally thought we were lost, though the entrance was 18 feet away on the other side of that little pillar that holds up our house. Dad, we're lost! 
And she thought we had like fallen into the underworld, like the land of the lost or something. And soon there were going to be dinosaurs running around and we were trapped here forever. Um, I said, no, no, Jack, that's fine. We're just going to go right out there. No, what are we going to do? We should have we made a plan. I thought maybe we should put a little trail of Cheez-Its. Maybe that would have helped us. I don't know. <laughs> but I said, Jacqueline, just relax. I took her hand. Just take a deep breath. I said to her, I know the way out of this. And she said, okay. And her little five-year-old heart stopped beating so fast, and we got out of the mess. Now, I want you to know, sisters and brothers, I know some of you are in a financial mess that you caused or you didn't cause. And you're like, we're lost, we're trapped. How are we going to get out of this? I just want to say to you that throughout this series, you've heard one theme. Your father has a plan for you. Your father will take you through the darkness and the difficulty and the trap if you will live your life in light of kingdom values and your finances. If you're using money as the wrong kind of tool, you're going to injure yourself and others. Money is a tool when in line with kingdom values leads to financial freedom, and some of us have to get over the fear. That's what Jesus is saying. Fear not. I have a plan. And my question for you is, how long will you live in financial fear and and instead, will you let it go and live in financial freedom? Your father has a plan. In fact, I care so much about I want you to know this. I, care, I really care about this. My life was almost ruined. I mean, when, I, when we didn't have a lot of money, we were just starting out, right? And we had very, 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 very I mean, we were, uh, we could, government assist, assistance level, we could receive that. Um, I got to tell you, we were financially free. We lived under our means. We trusted God we could give generously. And then it was about in my 30s when we just lost that. We were close to bankruptcy. And then we had to go years, years to trust God as he led us through the maze to get out of debt and get out of the difficulty. This, I got to tell you, I have wept over finances with Donna. And then we committed never to let ourselves get in that situation again. I really care deeply for this. If you're, matter of fact, if you're like, I don't know what I, I don't know if I can afford some of the things you're doing. If you'll take some of these financial classes, if you can't afford them, the church will actually comp you. Matter of fact, let me do this personally too. If you're like, I'm not sure what to do or how to do it, and maybe I don't have the means, if you will listen to the CDs of this. There are four CDs. If you'll read the book, The Treasure Principle, and you don't have it yet, and, you, and you're like, you're not sure you're going to get it, but you'll just, you'll commit to listen and read. I'll personally just go to the media center after church and say, I would like a copy of The Treasure Principle on Ed. I'd like a copy of all four CDs on Ed. Not the church. Ed Stetz will pay for this personally. Why? Because I'm deeply concerned how many Christians are in financial bondage and Jesus has a better way. And it's heartbreaking. Money's a tool. But man, a misused tool causes a lot of damage. Number four, and finally, and I'm over time. I apologize to all of you. You got to relocate your heart. You got to relocate your heart. Seek God's kingdom. Trust God's provisions. Surrender your possessions. Relocate your heart. Look at the next passage in Luke. It's in Luke chapter 12. It says this. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, when we stand up, we put our hands on our heart, and maybe we pledge of allegiance, or we, or we sing whatever it may be, the anthem, whatever. Uh, for a lot of people, we do that because our loyalty is at our heart. Maybe a little while ago, you raised your hands because you were lifting your hands to the Lord. But the challenge is for too many Christians, when we say to them, do your sign of loyalty, they actually got to reach for their wallet. Because their wallet leads them, not their heart, and not their surrender of Jesus. I want you to know... No servant, Luke 16, 13 puts it this way. It says, no servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God in money. I want you to hear this. Money's a tool. Use it for God's glory and you're good. You say, Ed, where do I start? 
Luke 16.10 says it pretty simply. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Can I just ask every single one of you? You know, in God's providence, this is the day we'll take the Lord's Supper. And again, we're going to go a little long. It's my fault, and I apologize. But today we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And in God's providence, you're going to come before what we call a table. And the question is, literally, we have a table. This is the way we'd speak of it. As we come before this table, the question is, what will you leave at the table, and what will you take from the table? Can I ask you today to leave your fear at the table, to take the next steps in faith about your finances? And I don't know what that is. Maybe some of you, it's been to go on global missions, sell what you have, give them to the poor, and go do that. Praise God, do that, if that's what God's put in your heart. Maybe it's to begin a regular practice of tithing. Maybe it's proportional giving. Maybe it's to give to a, to a ministry or to a missionary, whatever it is. Can I just ask you to do that thing, to relocate your heart? Because when you do it, it changes everything. Why does that matter? See, the goal of this series is not for you to get out of debt or for you to give more. That, that they flow out of the goal. The goal is you giving it over to Jesus. That's, that's what I'm asking you to do. Okay, and again, if I can help, go get the CDs on me, go get the book on me, uh, Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle. We're gonna, we got min, uh, financial uh, training courses coming up. Go take those. A church will help if you can't afford it. But I'm just simply asking you, say, say God hasn't called you to give it all away. Great. But he's called you to give it all to him and then to use it in alignment with his kingdom values. I'm just asking you, it's a tool. Money's a tool. Are you using it the way the maker of the tool would desire? the way the owner of the tool would desire, or you're doing it ways that hurt yourself. Yield to him. See the purpose of money and use it for God's glory. Using the right tool the wrong way can hurt you. I can attest to it right here. But I can attest to it in my life where I sat around a table crying with my wife because we made bad decisions that led us to the brink of bankruptcy and we had to have a lifestyle change for years to climb out of debt. But we did it in the dark because the Father led us step by step. He's a good, good Father. We did it because we loved Him more than we loved our stuff. And we're going to sing a song in just a moment. As the deer, it's from the Psalms, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. I really just want to ask you to do something. I've, I've been here a year and a half and I haven't asked you to do. I want you with the song that we're about to sing, with the Lord's Supper that we're about to take, I want you to ask, how does God's kingdom reach into my finances? Can I move from fear to financial freedom? Would you search your heart during this song and this Lord's Supper? We had a four-week series. We got 10 minutes for, as we go through the Lord's Supper. Could you use it as a time to reflect on what it is God's doing and what next step you're going to take in regard to being free, overcoming fear, being free and walking in financial freedom? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that Lord Jesus has come and he has called us with words today that scare a lot of people to let it all go, to give it up. So you tell us, fear not, little flock, you've given us the kingdom. With that kingdom comes your protection and your provision and we can trust you for you are a good, good father. When we're trapped and we don't know where we're at, it's dark and we're wailing, what do we do? grab a hold of our Father who's going to lead us out of this mess. 
It's going to cause us to make decisions. We might have to work differently to, to pay back some of the debt we've gotten ourselves in. We might, we, we might begin to begin to tithe and to give or to give to a mission agent, whatever it may be, support our local church and more. I just want to ask, Father, that you would remind us that you call us to renounce it all. And so, Lord, we do that now. Just with your head bowed, your eyes closed, if you're worshiping with us online, can you just between you and the Lord say, Lord, I give it all to you. Just, just right between you and the Lord, just silently to him. Lord, I give it all to you. Now, if you said that, can I ask you what he's calling you to do next? It's not just a hypothetical. Lord, I give it all to you. What's the next step? Maybe it's steps. Does it involve giving? Is it about getting out of debt? Does it involve reprioritizing, reallocating? What's the Lord calling you to do? As our love for him grows so evident, as we sing to him, as we, we acknowledge his grace and his goodness, he's given us the kingdom. He's provided for us. Can you just say, Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever you call me to do. It's all yours. And I don't know, some of you got this nagging thing in your head. I've been saying I'm going to do this a long time. Now I'm going to. Let's commit that now as we sing to the Lord and give him worship. Would you stand with me right now quickly and quietly to your feet? Father, as we stand, we sing of you and our love for you.